Welcome back to SEL Convergence, where Tom and I sit down, sometimes together and sometimes with other friendly folks, and we talk about SEL and how it integrates into our lives and our schools. Tom, welcome back. Hey, Michael. Good to be here. Glad to have you here. And we have another special guest with us today, right, Tom? Really wonderful guest. This is my friend, Brian Aikens. Brian is a special education teacher in Springford School District, specifically Upper Providence Elementary School. I'm also thrilled to ha be a friend of Brian's and know his wonderful work in our master's degree program in social emotional learning out of Newman University. Uh, this summer, he recently helped us as our conference-wide counselor for our Life Skills Leadership Conference, which 20 students from Springford School District were involved including his wonderful daughter. And Brian, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Good to see you both as well. I appreciate so, being so tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to this passion for mindfulness. So uh, I started out teaching, uh, this was going into my 16th year, and uh, I first started teaching as a uh, inclusion learning sport teacher, which mm -hmm. was really boring to me because I just kind of felt like I wasn't helping the kids enough. And it was my first year teaching, and I, I didn't really know or understand fully what I was doing anyways. But uh, the, the second year that I was teaching, a, a position opened up, and I didn't really know what it was for, but I knew I got my own classroom, and that's mm -hmm. what I really wanted. Um, and so it turned out it was an emotional support classroom. And so uh, I really had no idea, again, what I was doing in the emotional support classroom that first year, but I learned as I was, as I was working through it um, that I was trying to help kids learn how to manage their behaviors and understand their behaviors. And, um, and then I moved to my current position at Upper Providence as an emotional support teacher. And have been there ever since. And during that time, I had uh, was working on my master's degree program in clinical and counseling psychology, and uh, had to finish uh, counseling hours or as a as a psychotherapist, mm -hmm. and uh, working full time as a as a special educator, and then continuing on with my. Um, my counseling hours, I was working, you know, 16, 17 hour days. Mm. And I had to do that for a whole year. And what I noticed was that I was starting to really get bogged down. I was tired. My mind was tired. Uh, I was, you know, stressed out. My relationships were suffering. And, um, and I just wasn't doing really well in the classroom either. Mm. I, I noticed that I was reacting to my students a lot more. I was getting frustrated with things when they weren't going well. And instead of trying to help fix the problem, I realized I was probably creating some of those problems. In my last graduate class that I had uh, was a class on mindfulness. Hmm. And um, I just, I was interested in the class because I was interested in positive psychology. But during that time of taking the class, I really didn't take it too seriously. I didn't uh, practice the meditations like I should have. Uh, don't tell my professor that now, though it probably <laughs> doesn't matter. But um, but I didn't really take it too seriously. And when I started going through these, these struggles of, of working so long, my brain just being overworked, uh, I decided that I had to do something differently. Mm -hmm. And what, was, what I was doing just wasn't working for me. And so having that background in positive psychology and, and, um, and just always being an overall positive person, I said, well, I got to give this a shot. Mm -hmm. something, something has to give. So I went to my principal and I said, I want to I want to go to a Buddhist monastery and practice meditation and mindfulness. 
And uh, uh, for me, I'm very open to trying new things, but this was really kind of out of my, out of my wheelhouse, mm. out of my comfortability level. Because it was something totally new, and, and, um, and so I went, and it was kind of the, it was the best life experience that I've ever had. It was, it was changing for me. I came back on this ultimate high of just excitement and happiness and feeling good and understanding who I was and understanding myself. And as I was practicing this more and more in my house, uh, I decided that this was starting to work for me. I was feeling better. You know, I was, I was rebuilding relationships. I was, I was able to understand what I was doing and what was holding me back uh, from being happy and being successful. And working with students who had emotional needs and behavioral needs, I thought, well, this, is a, this might be a good way to get them to learn how to understand who they are and why they do the things that they do. And so I started integrating the practices, mm-hmm. some of the practices in my classroom and continue to get trainings from some uh, researchers across the country and, and continuing to go on retreats. Uh, and, and from there, you know, started writing my own curriculum on mm. mindfulness and social emotional wellness and, uh, and I've implemented it in my classroom and continue to change it and modify it as the year goes. But um, it has been something that's been really impactful for me. And so you know, I try to regularly keep a schedule every day and and meditate and integrate these practices in the classroom and um, right now as the start of the year we're talking about the brain and getting the kids to understand how the brain works and why it does the things that it does that's wonderful so tell our listeners the 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 wonderful young people you work with grade levels needs and then connect that to what you're doing with them right now because you're a k-4 to building right and you're teaching those beautiful children about the brain. Right. So, so give us some more information and connect today's lesson. Right. So, uh, you know, most time, so we're in our second week of school. And by this time, uh, the, the typical classroom teacher, the, the fun stuff is over. Now it's time to get serious and get into the academics. Uh, for me, the fun stuff is really getting into the community building mm-hmm. and the relationship building and, and getting to know who we are. And so um, I, I have this year, third and fourth grade students in the emotional support program who have emotional problems, uh, behavioral needs, mental health needs, family issues, mm-hmm. uh, stuff that's just inhibiting them from, from being successful and being happy. And um, to lead, lead the year into mindfulness, we start with the brain and understanding the different parts of the brain and what they do and how they interact with each other and, and how it makes us feel the way that we do, mm-hmm. but also, the realization that they can be in control of how their brain uh, is functioning and how it reacts to different situations. And once they understand that, what I found in the past is that kids get excited about that because Mm. now they know when they're feeling frustrated that it's their amygdala that is the reason why they're they're feeling frustrated, or at least that's where the emotional center of the brain is. And, And throughout the year, we talk about different chill skills. I call them different strategies that they can use to help themselves be in control or calm the amygdala down. And, uh, and eventually, hopefully, have more success and be happier. So you're really empowering them. I want to, yeah. I, I want to take the power away from me. I tell them on day one, uh, I do not have any control of you. You are in control of you. Uh, I had a student today actually arguing with me about that. Like, <laughs> well, you were the one that made me stop doing this. I, I don't. I can't stop you from doing it. I can only make suggestions and give you strategies and, and help you get there. But you are the one that ultimately has to make that decision. And, you know, kids want to be in control. We all want to be in control, but they also want 
those those supports there and, and know that they're cared for and that it's a safe place. So we work on that, you know, all school year long, but really working on the first couple of weeks of school. And uh, and so they when they feel safe and they know that they can have control, uh, they have a lot more success. I find that a very courageous statement on your part to let your third and fourth grade special needs students know that you're in fact not in control. Yeah, and I and I tell them I will not control you, right? It's not my job to control you. My job is to teach you and help you and care about you to get you to be able to help yourself, mm. to be independent. It's fantastic. Right? Fantastic. Can you share one thing you did today um, that, uh, that helped them understand how their brain works? So we break down the brain, and uh, I, I pull up diagrams of the brain. We break it down and, and um, get them to uh, see the different parts of how it interacts. And, and what we'll do later in the, in the week and into next week is we'll actually build a diagram of the brain. So getting their hands, mm. getting their hands dirty and, and using mm -hmm. uh, you know, Play-Doh or clay, uh, using string, you know, whatever materials that we can find to get them to actually create that brain. So the, today was just kind of an, uh, a mm -hmm. beginning introduction to it, just getting them to know the three main parts of the hippocampus, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, uh, and then we'll start to uh, build it. You know, we'll build the brain out. So the more understanding that they have, the more interested they're in, in it, in in it, and then they'll they'll eventually um, see those changes actually taking place too. So share with our listeners, do some teaching for us. Share with our listeners those three parts of the brain and how mindfulness is a very important tool in, in those parts of our brain. Sure. So uh, we talk about the hippocampus being uh, the memory center of the brain. Uh, we I also relate this to the movie Inside Out that came oh, out yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. Through, uh, through Disney or Pixar. And, um, and so that they instantly are able to connect it. So we connect those two pieces. So if you remember that movie, there were um, little memory balls that were, that were um, storing the memories in and they would put it down the tube and then it would go into the filing cabinet. Mm -hmm. and so we, we talk about that. That is the, uh, the, the memory bank. That's the hippocampus that's doing that work. And then we get into the amygdala and, and noticing that where all those emotions are in that movie, uh, joy, sadness, anger, mm -hmm. they are in the control center, the, the, yeah. the amygdala. They yeah. are in the amygdala yeah. at that point in time. And uh, if you notice on the, the control panel in that movie, yeah. um, the, they're hitting different buttons and that's causing the different reactions in the, in the little girl. Uh, and that is how their brain is, is operating when they become frustrated or mad or really, really excited or mm -hmm. overjoyful. And then sometimes they, they lose that control. And that's what's happening, you know, in, in the movie. That's what's happening inside their brain as well. And then we get into conversations about the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is that part of the brain that is making decisions. It's planning. It's that executive functioning part yep. of the brain. And be the amygdala is sending those messages out to the prefrontal cortex, just like it did in the movie, by hitting those buttons. It's sending the messages to the prefrontal cortex. And sometimes the decisions that the prefrontal cortex makes um, leads us to good decisions, right, that are, that are helpful for us. Mm -hmm. If it's calming down or if it's going to get help or um, if it's helping somebody else out. Uh, but it, it also can lead to uh, more difficult decisions that aren't really helpful for mm -hmm. us. And so that might be yelling and screaming or hitting something or something that's not really going to be productive for us. And, um, and we have the ability to, to control how that works and, and what happens. Um, oftentimes the hippocampus with, with its memory is, is um, sparking in us some type of memory. So if I, if I remember that next week it's my birthday and I hate birthday parties, 
that might not be a really good experience for me, mm-hmm. and I decide that I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. But that's all that is coming together and formulating a response from us. So we talk about being able to control the amygdala and those emotions that, that are occurring. And like I said earlier, I do that through different chill skills. And we haven't really talked a whole lot about the chill skills yet. We have a, I have about 30 of them that I talk mm-hmm. about throughout the school year. But we'll start to talk about different chill skills that we can use to, um, to, begin, to begin to control that amygdala mm-hmm. and that emotional center of our brain. Will the chill skills be part of the work that's in the curriculum you created? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, I, we, we break them all down into um, you know, different types of support. Some chill skills might be you know, things that get us going again, like if, we, um, if we're kind of sluggish and not doing well, or, and other ones are, are uh, strategies that might get us to calm down, so breathing techniques. Um, movement breaks, things like mm-hmm. that, that might be helpful for us going and taking a break. I have a mindful space in my classroom, mm-hmm. which you're well aware of, um, and they have the opportunity to go and just sit and relax in there. And that might be one of the chill skills that they can utilize. Uh, but so we talk about, you know, the opening part of the curriculum that I have is, is about the brain. And then we start getting into uh, a book that I, I really like called Zach Gets Frustrated. Mm. Zach Gets Frustrated breaks it down into three things that we can do in the triangle um, that, that help us, you know, control the emotions and understand it better. So, um, yeah, it's broken in, it's all created into that, that curriculum. Help our listeners and help me understand how do you bring a young person to an awareness state that they know they need to go into this physical space to calm down in the classroom? Well, first it comes to me, it comes down to safety. Okay. They have to know that they're safe, that they're cared about. Uh, that, that I care about them. I tell my students every day that I love them. Mm. Um, some people will look at that and say, yeah, we can't do that. And I just totally disagree with that. I, I tell them very openly, I love you. You're important to me. Uh, I use the words, I love you. Yes. You know, uh, that, that is very clear to them. So creating that safe environment. Uh, oftentimes I'm getting new students each year or throughout the school year, and I have to quickly build that, that safety for them. Mm-hmm. So we talk about what this space is. We, they help build the space. So they're taking ownership of that uh, because I want them to take care of it too, you know. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, if they've been in there and they're reading some books or they've just been relaxing and calming down or listening to soft, relaxing music, I want to make sure that they're taking care of those things and putting them back so the next person has access to them too. And then we spend about an hour in there uh, within the first week of school just exploring it. After we've built it, we just oh, explore nice. it. We explore the books that are in there. What, where things are at, why things go where they go, and what different things are there that can help us. And so when we, when we spend that time in there, it's really becoming, and they're building it, it's really becoming their space. I'm hearing ownership and responsibility. Right, yeah. And, and, and not just because I want that space to be long-lasting and being taken care of, but also because that is a place that I want them to know is a safe mm-hmm. spot for them. And if they, mm-hmm. if they own that, they take care of it, it's important to them, it has value to them, they'll continue to utilize it in a, in a healthy way instead of going back there and, and fooling around or damaging it and not taking care of the items that are there. One of the things that you said that I love is that you let your children know you love them. Yes. And yes, we've all been around long enough, Mike, yourself, Brian, and myself, to know that some people would be frightened to say that or even think about doing yeah. that in school. We know from our psychology training that that's essential. Um, one of my favorite authors is Stephen Cope. I think you know his work. And in his book, Soul Friends, he talks about secure attachment. And we have the ability in school 
or we have the ability in an adoptive family. We have the ability to remedy or heal past trauma when we let children know we love them, when we establish trust and we establish that secure attachment. And in, in, in his work that I happen to be rereading again, he reminds me, we don't need to be perfect in that. Uh, I think one of his mentors is a fellow named Winnicott. And, and in his literature, he says, we just need to be good enough. Just good enough. So, Michael, as you listen to Brian, uh, I, again, our listeners, I just want to remind them, Michael is also a special education teacher at the elementary level. So you're listening to your colleague and your friend. What are some of the things that resonate with you about mindfulness and in your setting? I think that it's it definitely hits home for me because it becomes one of those areas, I think, for a lot of people where it seems kind of scary and dangerous mm -hmm. because a lot of educators, myself included, don't have what I would call like healthy mindfulness practices mm -hmm. in their own life. Mm -hmm. So when you have that deficit in your own life, even if you can put on that show or whatever you want to call it for your kids, then it's not going to come off as genuine or authentic. So the biggest thing for me is like, you know, I'm sitting here not in my head. Yes, yes, yes. Like, let's like, I'm going to go and implement this right now. But in the other part of my brain, I'm going like, I don't do this well. I think I have to be better at it mm. before I could bring this into my classroom mm -hmm. and have those expectations of my kids. So I think it's something that is very, very powerful, but you almost have to really genuinely buy into it yourself before you could ever expect it of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and I, and I hear a lot that from teachers, like, I just don't have time to do this or it's something mm -hmm. else I have to do, uh, and I don't have the skills myself because I'm not practicing. And, and while I do agree with you, it's really important, I think, that we have our own uh, set of skills, mm -hmm. that we're able to mm -hmm. manage our own emotions. I, I model everything. Uh, one thing I didn't share with you at the beginning when I was finding mindfulness is that uh, that time when I was really stressed out and doing and working 16 hour days, I started hallucinating and having visual hallucinations. Mm. And um, that was really scary for me. Yeah. And, and that was the time I'm like, OK, something has to change. But I tell my students that mm -hmm. I tell them that I was having these hallucinations. I'm very open with them, um, not for therapeutic reasons, but for for transparency reasons. Yes. Right, uh, they know the things that I've gone through and, and worked with, so I got to model these things for them. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what it is, if mm -hmm. it's the language that we're using when we're mm -hmm. talking to kids, or if it's mindfulness, or if it's um, just saying that, hey, I actually don't know how to do this math problem. We're gonna have to research a little bit more, something mm -hmm. like that. I'm modeling it for them, and so modeling it, modeling mindfulness, or modeling meditation, or modeling, um, you know, citizenship, responsible citizenship, is really important for any teacher. Uh, but I say to, to to teachers, if you don't have that practice quite yet, let's start small. Let's start small enough that you don't feel intimidated by it. You don't have to teach anything. Uh, you just have to model and practice it with them. So I offer to, and this is something we do in my classroom, but I offer this to, to other teachers, is I have a bell that goes off automatically on my computer every 30 minutes. And that bell rings um, every 30 minutes, and I ask the students to pause whatever we're doing. If I'm teaching a lesson or if they're doing independent work or, or, or they're even in the middle of like indoor recess, I ask them to stop what they're doing. And when you hear that bell, take three nice, long, slow in-breaths and out-breaths. 
and we raise our hand when we're done just so we know that everybody else is done and we can respect mm-hmm. it and then we can get back to whatever we're doing. It's a really easy way to start trying these practices out. It's a good way to automatically have a brain break every 30 minutes and it's really only taking 20 seconds of the day and you don't have to have any experience with it. And as you're modeling it yourself, hopefully you're starting to see, right. okay, I can really follow my whole entire in-breath and follow that out-breath and I'm feeling a little bit better by that. Um, so it starts to ignite your own curiosity, but the kids see you doing it too. And so it's more value, valuable to them as well. So as you're speaking now, what's resonating with me is we need to be integrous. Yeah. Not perfect. Right. But out loud, I'm practicing too. I'm learning too. And in, and in being integrous, in being authentic, in being transparent, in being vulnerable as the adult educator and role model, I'm instilling trust. Yeah. Trust is built on those pieces. Right. Transparency, authenticity, vulnerability. Yeah. Integrity. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. And if I'm not, if I'm not those things, they're going to see through that anyways. Oh, yeah. Right? And they're not going to listen to what I have to share with them. The, one of the things I've always loved about young people, and particularly very young people, is they'll sniff out a phony yeah. <laughs> real quick. And they'll be honest with you. Oh, very much right? so. They'll be very honest. They'll call you on it. Yeah. They'll call you on it. Yep. Excellent. Now, one of the things that will I will often hear uh, in our master's degree courses is, well, I don't have the support to do this. Now, I happen to know your principal, yeah. who is Wonderful. Uh, a dear friend and probably one of the best principals in the country, if not the best. Agreed. And uh, tell me, I, I, mean, I want to ask you two things. Tell me the support you get that continues to allow you to grow and bring your gifts and ta- talents to your children and then help our listeners. What can they do if they don't have that support? That is a good question. Go it's, for the it's, good it's, news it's, first. It's hard. Well, you know, I've, I've been lucky and blessed to have a principal who understands it. She's, she brought some of these ideas of positive psychology to me and, um, and so having that support is, is really great. It's really helpful. And um, I would say it has allowed me to go to her and say, I want to try this or I want to bring in this. And, and she gives me the green light. Uh, for me, it's really important to be transparent, as I said earlier. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean just with students. So I'm very transparent with my, with my parents as well. And so I'm telling them the things that we're doing, the practices that we're using. I give them that curriculum that I've written, say these are the things that we're going to talk about and these are the areas that it's hitting on. And getting very specific to their child, these are the areas that I see they, they, they need help with, and this is how it's going to help them with that. So being very transparent, is, I think, is really helpful, and that's going to solve your problem of not having that support, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I've been lucky to have it, and, and that's been really nice because it allows me to take some risks and try new things. It allows me to, um, you know, I always say that my principal gets people to do things they never really wanted to do. Right? She gets you to do that um, by challenging you. And because of that, I challenge myself to do a little bit more and try, mm-hmm. and try other things. So I go to retreats at least once a year uh, to learn new things and to keep practicing and, mm-hmm. and strengthening my own practice. If you don't have that support, uh, you know, I talk to parents. Right? Okay. That, that's, my, that's my game winner. If I can get parents to buy into what I'm, what I'm saying and what I'm selling them, what I'm teaching their child, and they, they see the changes, Yes, they're going to support you. And yes. so if your principal or other administration don't see the value in it, but you're seeing it from the parents, mm-hmm. those administrators are going to hear it from the parents. And 
who ultimately do we have to please? We gotta yeah. we gotta please the parents. We yeah. gotta we gotta teach the kids. So uh, going going to the parents has been has been really helpful. Not that I've had to go to bat for the things that I'm teaching right. them, but right. but that's where I would go first. I would go to the parents. Excellent. Yeah. Now, uh, along with your teaching, along with your teaching in the master's degree program, you're doing many other things under your own umbrella business called Insight Minds. Right. Share with our listeners how they might access your work directly mm-hmm. and tell us a little bit about Insight Minds. So uh, you can go to the website, uh, insightminds.com, or I'm on social media, insight underscore minds. And um, I'm leading professional developments. I am uh, working, uh, actually, at the end of this month, I just started a, uh, a, a men's group uh, up in Skipback, Pennsylvania, where uh, we're work- I'm working with a yoga studio. Mm. And we're going to focus on just what it's like to be a man, connecting with our feelings, our emotions, how to be a better father, how to be a better person. Um, also, uh, doing some yoga and some stretching, and then just having general conversations mm-hmm. with each other, nice. being able to communicate with each other. So we're we're doing that, um, and also I do I do a lot of work with other school districts and teaching teaching the teachers mm-hmm. some of these practices and these ideas mm-hmm. as well. So it's been a fun a fun little process. Um, it keeps me, I think, just the right amount of busy, um, and it, to the point that I'm not burnt out. But I also, you know, I love to share this with kids, but it, it gives me the opportunity to, to talk with other teachers too, mm-hmm. who who are kind of unsure on how mm-hmm. to do it or how to how to bring these practices into the school, or um, don't even know how to meditate or don't know much about mindfulness mm-hmm. at all. So now you're also a dad. Yes. And you have a teenager. <clears throat> yes. And you have a little boy. Right. How old is your son? He's three and a half. He's three and a half. Yeah. So do you ever bring this practice home? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier about my daughter going to the Life Skills Conference. That was a really great experience for her as far as leadership goes, resiliency goes. Um, when she was younger and still every now and again that I can I can get her to come back to some of these things. And most of the time they're initiated by her now. Uh, we would do some practices together. So one of our favorite practices, her and I have a, our own little secret star. So we go stargazing at night sometimes, and uh, we have a star that we, we always try to find. So that was yes. kind of one of the first things I brought to her. Yeah. And I didn't call it mindfulness. I didn't. I just said, let's just go outside. And then we were mm-hmm. outside walking around and looking at the stars. And, and I told her about how um, I've always wanted my own star, and, and then we found one that we, that we liked together. Uh, and it was just a simple way of introducing her that ability to take a step back and just be in the world of where she is. Um, we also have a, a something we call the three breath hug. Mm. So we'll embrace each other, take about 20 seconds, and take three long, slow in breaths and out breaths. Uh, last week, actually, she she um, I, I think she could see that we were both a little bit stressed, <laughs> and she just came and just gave me a big oh. hug. And and I was and it's been a while since we've done the three breath hug, admittedly, but it was like okay. She gets it. She knew that yeah. I needed the help. She was able to see that. She was able to have her own self-awareness that she needed it, but also have that awareness that I needed it too. And That's so we were able beautiful. to connect that way. And uh, a couple of other things. We use a mindfulness jar that she uses every now and again. Um, she has a journal that she, that she writes in um, every now and again. It's, it's fun to read the journal. She'll share it with us. Most of the time, it's about how she's mad or angry. <laughs> Most of the time, it's about me, that she's upset with me. But at the, in the end, it's, it's a fun time for us to, to laugh about mm-hmm. what had happened and, and then open that communication about what had happened Beautiful. too. So it's really great to see that I haven't had to push these things on mm-hmm. her. Um, I live it 
right? First and right. foremost, I have to be that right. model. Right. Uh, when I'm meditating, I'll leave the door open. Sometimes she comes in, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. right? And most of the time, like young kids, it's hard to sit there for 20, 30 minutes. <clears throat> so she'll sit there for a little bit and yeah, maybe go off and do mm -hmm. her own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some wonderful children books out there. So I, I read a lot as, as much as I can to mm -hmm. my, my young one. And um, we have done a lot of books. Um, uh, who's her name? I'm going to mess up the book, the author's name, so I'm not even going to try it. Anyways, the book is called Sweet Dreams. Mm. And um, it's all of, it's just different mindfulness stories about falling asleep at night and calming down. Oh, nice. So um, he, he and I read that together uh, quite a bit. He likes the scuba diver story. He likes the, um, the, there's a bubble story about taking deep breaths and blowing bubbles and naming your bubble or, or, or naming who would be in your bubble, mm -hmm. things like that. So again, you know, not saying, hey, we're going to go practice mindfulness now, mm -hmm. just finding ways to incorporate it into your family life by modeling it and then doing these other things that are, are fun things to do um, that don't seem like they're a lot of work, that they're, they're just natural. Wonderful. Yeah. Michael, any thoughts or, or questions from your perspective? I have so many questions. <laughs> um, but I just, I keep getting stuck on the fact that uh, you as as a as an adult as an educator as a parent whatever it may be that you can go through this journey side by side with someone else and that there's definitely that level of vulnerability that has to be built up before any of that can take place mm -hmm. so i i can't say enough how um how impressed i am that you're able to build such a, a level of vulnerability with your students so that these other things can take place. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really excited about that. I think that's that's amazing. Well, so, and, and you both know Brene Brown. She talks about yes. vulnerability, and it's yes. not a bad thing. It's, it's a really positive thing, and it's about that growth. Right? That's the way I'm growing, mm -hmm. and that's the way that I know that I'm feeling better is by taking that risk. Um, you know, I, I don't know... Uh, my mother and I are very close, and, and we, I would share a lot of feelings with her. So it was a kind of always a natural thing to be open with my mm -hmm. with my emotions and my feelings. Um, but taking that risk, right, and and that reward is just it's just, it's entirely worth it. And mm. and especially working with, you know, my students or, or even my own kids um, to get them to be able to come back and give me a three breath hug. Yeah. When she, my daughter noticed that we both needed that, that's why it's worth it to me, right? That's why it's willing to be so vulnerable and take that step. It's wonderful. Early in our conversation tonight, you mentioned when the light bulb first went on for you mm -hmm. and you went to the retreat and you knew it was a life-changing experience. Right. Can you share with us one of those moments when you saw it happen for your student? <laughs> yeah, so I have a student currently who, who I've worked with for the last couple of years and uh He's a boy who is uh, much bigger than everybody else mm -hmm. for his age, uh, but he he can he likes to be in control and he can kind of boss people around just mm -hmm. by his size, and uh, also realizes though that he you know he gets frustrated a lot and and what I would consider to be minor things he mm -hmm. would get frustrated about, and so he's been working on that and getting a lot better at it. Last school year, he would take me through. Um, guided meditation practices. So after lunchtime, mm. I have about a 15-20 minute time period that I call our mindful time, our quiet time, and the students can read a book or just relax in the mindful space or use some of the manip manipulatives that we have. And last year, he started 
to um, ask if, if, I, if he could lead me in guided meditations. And so he would have me lay down and get comfortable on the yoga mat. And he would just, and I'm not sure where it really came from because I don't often lead them through guided meditations. Mm -hmm. I did give them a couple of different practices that I shared with home and I gave them a CD um, from Dr. Amy Saltzman, who's one of the people that I've been trained under. And um, I don't know if he picked it up from there or not, but that was kind of his, I think, light bulb moment. And, um, and he's, you know, he'd want to do it every day. Not just to me, to the other students as well. Yeah. He, he would offer it to the other students as well. So that was, I think, a big thing for him. And we also do, um, we write kind notes every day in my mm. classroom. We work in a gratitude journal every morning and then a kind note. Mm. And so what I started to see with him is reoccurring in his gratitude journal and in his kind notes were these messages of, I appreciate Mr. Aikens or I appreciate uh, my classroom because, um, you know, people are there to help me when I'm, when I'm not feeling mm-hmm. safe or calm. Mm-hmm. And, and he was becoming more aware of that. And so that awareness piece was just, I think, so big for him. And that was his changing. That was his That's moment of, of realizing that, okay, I'm, I'm now noticing that I'm out of control or I'm feeling this way and I can be in control. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun. And, and to be honest, I, I think back to one of the guided meditation practices that he led me through. And I don't know if I was just really tired that day or not, but I, <laughs> I was falling asleep and it was just so relaxing and it was great. It was really great. So here you take a young man who had some power issues Mm -hmm. and you help tell them how to craft that power into a positive leadership role. Yeah. Even allowing him to lead you. Yeah. Which from, from a child's perspective, that is so, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And you know, from a teacher's perspective, it can be really scary. So, so here I am with, you know, six, seven kids in my classroom. (laughs) I'm the only adult in there because my, my assistants are not in the room at the time and uh, I'm falling asleep on the floor. He's leading me through a guided meditation, (laughs) but I had that trust in all them too, that we've worked through this for so long that we have these set of skills and they could be responsible at that same time. And, and he was able to do that. It was really great. It's really beautiful. Really. It's it's lovely. It's lovely. So as we get ready to close up, You've shared many strategies with us. Share one more that you would say to our listeners, whether we teach elementary, middle school, or high school, whether we teach regular ed or special ed, whether we're a coach or sponsoring a, a, a different group, arts, music, mm-hmm. what's one strategy that they could always go to? Well, I'll give you two if you don't mind. Oh, please. One, one that I just mentioned is the gratitude journal. So um, I, I was reading Sean Acor's work out of Harvard, yep. his research about you know, how, the six things that we can do to be happy. And, uh, and I thought, oh my gosh, well, I'm already doing most of these in my classroom, so why don't I include some of these other strategies that he's talking about in these practices? And one of them was a gratitude journal. And you, you, know, you write in a gratitude journal, I write yep. in a gratitude journal. Uh, and actually, I fill my gratitude journal out every single morning with my students, so it's up on the smart board. Wonderful. Uh, again, modeling it for them, showing that vulnerability mm. Mm. Uh, for them. Uh, giving them giving them an idea sometimes when they get stuck of you mm-hmm. know, what what I'm sharing, and um, so that would be one of them. So I created a mm-hmm. a, a, a Google Slides version of an, a gratitude journal, mm-hmm. so they can take that gratitude journal and use it at home. They can use it over the summer, uh, but every morning we work on that together as a class. Beautiful. So not necessarily mindfulness specific, more mm-hmm. I guess social emotional mm-hmm. you know wellness specific, mm-hmm. um, but that I think is just one really huge thing. If, if you can get your kids to do anything or yourself to do anything um, and starting small, write in a gratitude journal. You'll be amazed at how like the little things in your life become highlighted. Yeah. And when those things become highlighted, life becomes happier and more joyful. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, and this is probably 
you know, so cliche because everybody talks about it, is just being able to find your breath yeah. and, and just being able to breathe. And so we talk a lot with that with my students of, of those practices. And um, I, many of the strategies that we talk about, those chill skills, are, are based around our breathing. Mm. But all of my students kind of go back to the, the same one of just taking three long, slow in-breaths and out-breaths. Mm -hmm. And I know you hear that all the time, you know, as a child, I'll oh, just take a couple of deep breaths, mm -hmm. you'll be okay. Well, there's a difference between saying that and actually doing it and understanding the impact yeah. that it has on you. And so that would be just a really simple practice of taking those three long in-breaths and out-breaths. Um, I call it three, four, five breathing. So mm -hmm. breathing in for three seconds, holding it for four and out for five. Wonderful. And just an easy way to become connected with your breath and um, and not just being connected with your breath, but being able to follow that breath. I think that's one thing Like when we say, just yeah. take three deep breaths, yeah. you know, we don't really know what that's doing. We don't, see, we don't feel the impact. Mm -hmm. But if you can follow that in-breath all the way to the end of the in-breath, mm. and then follow that out-breath all the way to the out-breath, uh, you really start to become connected to your breath and your body and able to be more in control of, of those emotions that you're feeling. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm very grateful you're with us. Thank you, Brian. No, thank you. Thank you. Michael, thank you for coordinating again. It's always Absolutely. a pleasure. Love it. So thank you for listening today. If you want to learn more about what Brian's doing, definitely check out Insight Minds. Mm -hmm. And Brian, thank you for being on today and thank sharing you. your story with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. See you guys next time.